If we do this, we'd be going in short-handed. Yeah, you mean because he killed all our friends? We owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. It's not about how much we lost. It's about how much we have left. We're the Avengers. We gotta finish this. You trust me? I do. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. Welcome to Christmas at the Movies, where principles of scripture and cinema collide. And what we're going to be doing is, if you've been a part of this before, what we're going to be doing is, basically, we just take a few uh, pretty good movies from the last few years, and we try to pull some scripture knowledge through that or whatever, but we have a really good time. I don't know if Baylor said a little bit, a few things about it. Uh, in the foyer, might, you might see some characters from different stories, and the kids are just having a blast. I don't know if you've seen the area over there, but we had a lot of people come down, decorate, and a lot of people do a lot of different things. There are people working. The idea behind this is that, uh, you know, it's okay if people have fun at church, right? Is that all right? I, I grew up in church, you know, it's was, it was like it wasn't very much fun, and it was supposed to not be very much fun. You were supposed to have fun somewhere else, and when you went to church, well, that's something kind of different, so it's much, much more serious. So that's the idea, and um, you, know, you might bring your friends, invite people to be a part of this, because uh, it's just a different, just uh, one more way to share the gospel. Let's kick it off with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today. I pray that as we dive into this series and this message, I pray that it will touch the lives of people. May we grow in our knowledge of what it is to, to passionate, passionately follow you, Lord. Bless us and bless this service today and this word in Christ's name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, church can be fun. This movie that we're looking at today, the, the idea of it, the Avengers Endgame, the story picks up somewhere, uh, something called, where they just got out of it, what is called an infinity war. It's a universal war between good and evil. Uh, the universe is in ruins due to the effort of this mad titan called Thanos. This guy, he looks pretty fierce, doesn't he? While uh, with the help of the remaining allies, the Avengers must assemble once more and undo what Thanos, his actions, what they've done as far as wipe out half the Earth's population, including many of the Avengers. Therefore, the remaining Avengers who haven't died in the Affinity War must take one final stand to undo the evil that, he, that Thanos has done in the world. Uh, they're left scattered and divided, and they, along with their allies, must unite together and work together and reverse the evil in this world. Along the way, the Avengers, they got to realize that sacrifices have to be made as they prepare for the ultimate final showdown with Thanos, which will result in the heroes fighting the biggest battle they have ever faced. So basically, you have a group of ambassadors. These Avengers are. Uh, they've been chosen for this, this cause. Uh, they must put their differences aside, must unite and work together to save and bring peace to a world that has been thrown into chaos by an evil, powerful being. So what does that sound like? 
That sounds like our spiritual war. That sounds like the spiritual war that was fought millennia ago in heaven. We are in the middle of a spiritual war. Now, we didn't start this spiritual war, but we were born into this spiritual war, and we all have a role to play. We all have a part in this spiritual war. And the souls of all mankind are at stake, and there are eternal consequences, and there are eternal rewards. One could say, possibly, that we are Christ's avengers, that he is actually reaching and saving the world and bringing it back through his avengers or through his ambassadors. What's our response to that? What, is, what does that mean to us? I want to dive into that. Right now, I believe that we must commit to the mission that he's called us to, to our calling. If you know the story of the avengers at first, many of them were uncommitted. They were apathetic. They were kind of strung out because of this infinity war. They didn't know if, you know, they went their separate ways. They, and, and they basically had to look each other in the eye, had to come together and look, at you, look each other in the eye and say, we've got to commit to this, that, that we've got to win this battle for the salvation of the world. You know that we all have a part to play in God's mission and his cause. We have a personal mission. We have been personally chosen, and we have a personal mission, his grand scheme or his grand mission, and that is to save the world. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it, it, you could read it like this. This is the plot summary of what he has done in this world and our part to play. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone, look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. If anyone. If anyone, which is us, is in Christ Jesus, what does that mean? If you've given your life to Christ, you are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, he's talking to all of us. If anyone, in, is, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. You have been made new. You have been born again. All this is from God, who through Christ, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what he has done in you through the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ brought, him, uh, brought us back to him, reconciled to bring back, if you will, what he has done through us or done for us, he is doing through us in order to reach the world. That's what he means by the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we represent Christ to the world. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Jesus is not here in body. That's why we are named and called in the scripture passages the body of Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So his mission, God's mission to reconcile or to bring the world back to him, how did this happen? It happened through the fall of men. It happened in that original sin, if you will, that represents, that, that, that represent and was passed down to all of us. That the world was brought into the sin through, through the evil, through the evil, our, our enemy, the devil. The, the, the world was brought into chaos. It was brought into the sin. So God says, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to bring the world, the world back into fellowship with me. But it started with the Father and his desire to save the world from chaos. 
Therefore, we are God's ambassadors. We are Christ's avengers, if you will. We represent Christ to the world, but we've got to realize that we have been chosen for this. Look at your neighbor and say, you're chosen. You are, you are chosen for this. You are not random. Now, now, he has chosen, he has invited, he has called us to this mission, but it's, it's up to us to accept it. But from the foundations of the world, you were chosen for this. Colossians 1 and 9 says, for this reason, what reason? The reason I just talked to you about God's mission. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased praying for you. This is the Apostle Paul writing this letter to this church. He's excited about what is being done in their lives. So he says, I'm praying for you and asking that you may be what? Filled with the knowledge of God, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, as you bear fruit in every good work, and as you grow in the knowledge of God." May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience. So he's saying this, because of what God is doing in and through you, there are some things that you've got to do. This is what this looks like. This is what representation, ambassadors of Christ looks like. He said, he said I'm praying for you. This was this letter written to this church. I'm excited about the fact that God has chosen you. I'm excited about the fact that you have decided to take on this representation of Christ. But I'm praying for you, and I've never stopped praying for you because I want you to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of Christ that you may grow in your walk with God so it affects the way you live your life because the way you live your life affects, affects people more than what you say. Are you with me? He's, this is what representation looks like. It's how you live your life. Every superhero story begins with the origin. You know what I'm talking about. Anytime there's a trilogy of a super, superhero, there's always this origin, how it happened, how it went down, how this regular person or this person, you know, got, you know, zapped by whatever this thing is or, you know, from, from the heavens or whatever, or they came from another place. There's always this origin story, and it usually begins with a tragedy. And then this superhero goes through this transformation where they're reborn into something that is much, much greater themselves. And then they, you know, that first origin story, the whole story is them kind of resisting it, and they don't want to be a part of it, and why me, and I didn't choose this, but the movie always ends with them coming around to accepting who they are, and actually they find out that their purpose is to, in some way to save the world. Isn't that most of the superhero stories? That they're here to save the world. That is exactly your story. That, that God has called you. And it's not so much what you do as much as it is how you live. That, that, that the Holy Spirit, you know, before you came to Christ, B.C., before Christ, before you came to Christ, you were living for yourself. The Holy Spirit was not on the inside of you. And then you give your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells on the inside of you and gives you this superhuman power, not, you know, laser eye power or, you know, you know, not the ability to fly because you really don't need that. However, it would be really cool to be able to fly, but let's get back over here. Anyway, you don't need those things for your spiritual war. You need the characteristics of living godly and, and walking in Christ and all the things, you know, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience, 
Living a Christian lifestyle, those are the characteristics that the Holy Spirit begins to grow you in. That's why you need to learn the scripture. That's why you need to spend time in prayer because you need to grow in those things because that is the superhuman or the spiritual power that God wants you to walk in so you can change your world. But it begins with not resisting, but it begins with recognizing that you've been chosen. Mission isn't only something we're doing Mission is something that we're living. It's not so much what we're doing as much as it is a life, a missional lifestyle. Last week, we brought in a, a guy from Hillsong Church. His name was Andrew Denton. I don't know if you were here. If you were not here, if I could get you to do one thing this year, I would say, watch that. Watch that. Go to the link on Faith Code Church and watch him uh, teach last week. He's not this uh, he's not an evangelist. He's not a pastor. That's what he said last week. I'm not that. I'm, I'm, I'm just like you. But I want to talk to you about kingdom builders. And he talked about these things. And then he did something incredible. And I, I really didn't know exactly what this was. I just had another pastor that was very close to me. Sits on our advisory board. He said, you have to do this. You have to bring this guy in. I really didn't know what it was about. I just, I kind of, you know, I trusted my, my friend. But then for the next two days, he met with couples from the church. And I was, and I, I really didn't know what that, exactly what that was. He gave me a, a preview of it, but I really didn't until I booked my own appointment and, and sat down with him. And, you know, these things that I've taught and preached for years, and I'm th- thinking to myself, I, I talk about these things, but for somebody to s- sit across from you in a, in a room, you know, that s- somebody's 10 years older and God is doing something incredible in their lives and they're traveling all over the world and God is using him to do some incredible things and this is not... He does something else. This is just something extra that he does for him to sit in a chair and look at you and say, I want to ask you three questions. And then these three questions are, do you pray with your wife every single day? And I'm like, yes, yes, I pray with her every single day. We get in in the foyer of my house and, you know, my stepson, and we, we pray. He said, no, that's not what I want to know. I want to know that you are praying for her by herself, and I want to know that she is praying for you by yourself. You guys are sitting there saying, looking at each other and praying. And I, and I was like, I guess I'm not doing it right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then, you know, there were, I don't have time to get into all that, but it was something very, very powerful. And I got to thinking about that. What if, what if this was something that God was wanting us to do as a church, which I believe that is, and what, what is God going to do over the next few months or over the next few years of this happening in our lives over the next few years? Because he's coming back next year, and if you were in those interviews, you know that you got to answer those same three questions, so you better get busy. And if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. He said, I'm going to be here next year, and I, I get something to the effect that you don't, want to, you, don't want to, you don't want to answer no to any of those questions. But the point is that, that it, it's, it's not something that you do as much as it is something that you live because Christ came into this world to build his kingdom, and he does that through kingdom builders like you and me. But we've got to live that life. What happens if we finally decide that we're going to start practicing what we're preaching? Amen? What if we really start to do that? What, you know, what we talk about Sundays? What, we, what if we really start to do on Monday what we talk about on Sundays? What could God do through our lives and our families if we commit to the mission? Amen? Number two, as Avengers... As ambassadors for Christ, we've got to commit to each other. We've got to unite. In John 11 and 52, it was prophesied of Jesus that he would die for the entire nation, and not only for the nation, 
but to bring together and to unite all the children of God scattered around the world. It was his plan that through Christ that every nation, every tribe, every language, every culture, every race, everybody would, everybody would have the opportunity to unite as children of God. Once upon a time, that was not our right because I, in the Old Testament, if you were not a Jew, if you were not a Hebrew, you couldn't do that. But now, because of the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ, we are all children of God if we believe. In the story of the Avengers individually, not one of the Avengers could stop the evil Thanos. However, together, the Avengers defeated him. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and they were unstoppable. When we work together as a church, when we come together and we decide we're going to do something, we are much, much more powerful together than we are individually. I'm happy for what God does in your life individually. I'm excited for what God is going to do in your life, in your work, in your place of business, and that is powerful. But there is nothing more powerful than the church coming together deciding that we want to do something. Let me give you an example. How in the world are we going to give away raise money and give away four or 500 bikes for kids. How in the world are we going to do that? We're going to do that together. And we, we, I mean, we, the community knows about it. There are about 40 or 50 businesses that come together and do that. But this ministry raises 75% of the finances in this house. We do it in-house. How do we do that? We do that together. How do we give away hundreds of pairs of shoes? How are we going to do that? How are we going to give away, get this, how are we going to give away hundreds of pairs of shoes, hundreds of coats, hundreds of kids' haircuts, thousands of cookies and juices and coffees and waters? How in the world are we going to do that in less than three hours, December the 21st, this year? How are we going to do that? We're going to do that together. And we've been doing it for 14 years. And it is a well, smooth, running machine. If you told me, hey, Travis, you're going to do all that in about two hours, I'd tell you there is no way. You know how we do it? Half the church shows up to do it. It's because you volunteer. It's because you show up, do the T-shirt, clap, do whatever it is you're going to be doing that day, tighten the chains, air up the tires, hand out the cookies, wear the reindeer, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's because we decide to do that. We do it together because we're more powerful together than we are individually. What if we decided to come together to build his church like never before? What if we decided that, that we were going to give? What if we decided that we were going to serve to make this house a place that was honorable to him? What if we decided to invite our friends? What if we got serious about bringing people to Faith Co. Church? And what if it went beyond that? What if this church and every church decided that we were one in mission? What if we decided that we were going to do something like that? Do you know that that was what Jesus prayed about the last day of his life, the last evening. In John 17 and 20, I want you to think about what you would pray if you knew that you were going to be in prison that night and the next day you would die. What would your prayer, what if you were, what were you to, what if you were to bring your family together? Jesus brought his 12 disciples together. Judas had already left, so there were 11 disciples, and Jesus was there, and he had this, you know, this whole chapter was his prayer to his disciples, or over his disciples, What would you pray for your family in that moment? Listen to what Jesus prays. This is John 17 and 20. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 
So he's praying for his disciples, and he's praying for you and for me and everybody that will follow him. He says, I pray that they will all be what? I pray that they will all be one. I pray that everybody in my body, I pray that everybody, every disciple, all of these disciples, I pray for all the disciples that will come. I pray that they will be one just as, he's talking to the Father, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us. May we come together. May we unite. Why? So that the world will believe that you sent me. Nothing brings people to Christ. Nothing saves people. Nothing turns people on to the Lord like his church being united. Isn't that interesting? I believe that that's why John the Beloved said that we would be known by our love, that, that, that you, they will be known that they are true disciples of Christ by their love. When we come together, when we unite, there is nothing that we can accomplish. The world has yet to see what a united church can accomplish. Let me say that again. The world has yet to see what a united church can accomplish. We have never seen what will happen in this world if the entire church all over the world decides to unite. The enemy wants to keep us divided. He wants to keep the church divided because he knows that we are unstoppable when we are united. You know that that's true. You know that we are unstoppable. You know that if the church all over the world decides it is, the, it is the most powerful force on the planet, but, but we're just not united. Think about that in your home. The same thing happens in your home. The enemy knows that if he can, that if he can keep our families divided, that we won't ever be able to get anywhere. That if we're not waking up in the mornings and praying for each other, waking up in the mornings instead fighting or bickering or whatever and leaving angry with each other. He knows that in your family, if he can keep you divided, that you won't be able to get anywhere because all you're doing is spinning your wheels. If he can keep you fighting with your spouse, if he can keep you bickering with your husband or your wife and not going anywhere, he knows that you won't, hey, you won't be able to make it to church. If you can't make it to church, then you won't be able to make a difference. All you're thinking about is what's going on in the turmoil in your home. If he can keep you, if he can keep you angry with your kids and if he can keep your kids angry with you, if he can keep your house divided, let me tell you why he wants to keep your house divided. Because if he can keep your house divided, he can keep the church divided. Because a church is only as strong and as powerful and is united as its families. So he begins in your house. And that's why it feels like a fight in your house many times. Because the enemy is trying to destroy you every single day. It, I, I, it's about you, but it's not just about you. If he can keep you divided, if he can, man, if he can get your family to split up, if he can get your kids divided, if he can destroy your house, he can destroy your kid's house. You know what I'm saying? So he wants to keep you divided. He wants to keep you fighting. He wants to keep all of that turmoil going on because ultimately God has called you to be a part of this house in order to change the world and you can't do that if we're not united. We must commit to each other and to his family. And lastly, we had to commit to the battle, to the fight. As Avengers, it all led to one final showdown between good and evil. Do you know that your first assignment in this spiritual war is to be a soldier? I thought about what my son told me. He's in the, the Army National Guard Reserves or something like that. You know what I'm saying. And he, 
this thing that he does, he was telling me that he, they, the guys in the field, if we ever go to a place where, God help us if we ever do, but if it goes to a place of we have to go to war, guys in the field send him coordinates, and he's like in this command post that he actually enters in coordinates for missiles or something like that to be shot miles through there. And I thought to myself, do they, do they know who you are? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? If it all, this is in your hands? <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong. You know, I just, and I got, you know, I, I, you know, he explains all this to me, and I'm thinking, this is really, really cool. I'm like, that's interesting. You know, what about all the other training? He said, well, you know, my first, my first responsibility, because it took months for him to get to that kind of training. I'm like, what? Well, it takes so long. He said, because my first responsibility is to be a soldier, a ground soldier. That's my first responsibility. That's why I have to learn hand-to-hand combat or whatever. That's why I have to, uh, I don't, you know, he wasn't a very good shooter until he didn't really care. I'm like, son, I got all these guns. I don't care about your guns. That, you, know, you do now, don't you? <laughs> my first responsibility is to be a soldier. I want to tell you something. This is a fight that we're in, and our first responsibility is to be a warrior, to be a soldier, because we are in a fight. And the stakes are extremely high. And a lot of times we, we think to ourselves, I, you know, I'm not in that spiritual. Yeah, you are in that spiritual war. You might be losing by default or you might be wandering around lost somewhere. But you're in this spiritual war whether you know it or not or whether you recognize it or not. In 1 Timothy 6 and 12 it says, the Apostle Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. He ain't talking about breakdance fighting. You know what I'm saying? It's a real fight. It's a real, it's a, it's a very real fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold tightly to eternal life, which God has called you to, which you have declared so well before so many people. The, if you don't know the relationship between the Apostle Paul and Timothy, Timothy was a young apprentice, upcoming pastor. He was over this church, the, the church of Ephesus. So the Apostle Paul is writing him in one of his last letters. He was saying, Apostle, he was saying, Timothy, listen, it, this is a fight, man. This is a fight, so I want you to fight. It's going to be hard to pastor in these days, in in, in these troubled times. It's going to be hard on your family. It's going to be hard on your life, but something has been deposited in your life. You have been given a truth that most people have not been given. So therefore, the enemy is going to attack you even more fiercely. And you have decided to carry this message to other people. You have decided that you're going to make a difference with your life. So let me tell you something, Timothy. This ain't going to be easy. It's going to be a fight. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. It doesn't get any more clear than that. Listen, if your life feels like it's a fight sometimes, it's because it is. If it feels like you're, that you're in a war every single day, it's because it is. And the, the thing is, is you've got a very enemy that's attacking you, as I said before, trying to keep you divided. He doesn't want to keep you divide, just divided. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you defeated. He wants to keep you discouraged. He wants to keep you depressed. He wants to keep you oppressed. Not just divided. He wants to beat you down and keep you beat down because you have declared and decided, just like the Apostle Paul told Timothy, you've been given this truth that which you have declared about your life that which you have told everybody that you're going to do the enemy is going to attack you fiercely so get ready to fight because it's a fight every single day and towards the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4 and 7 the apostle Paul said I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have remained faithful if you read this 
These are, this is the last thing that we believe the Apostle Paul wrote. These are his last words. He writes them to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says to him, my life is already poured out. He was, he was ready. He actually, he, was, he, he laid his head on the block and they chopped his head off. But in, his, in this letter to Timothy, he was like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. But he tells him, I have fought a good fight. That's what I want to be able to stand before the Lord and say one of these days. I want to, I want, I want to fight. I want to fight, and I want to keep on fighting. And at the end of my life, when I'm, you know, as I'm, as I'm, you know, maybe I have some last minutes or hours, I want to be able to tell my family that I fought a good fight. They don't care about how good of a dancer I am. You know what I'm saying? I've danced a great dance, and my, nobody cares about your dancing. I, went, I fought a good fight. Listen to me. There are things in this life that are worth fighting for that when you get to the end of your race, you're going to look back and you're going to say, okay, that was worth the fight. You need to figure out what's worth the fight. We got to figure that out. Is, is this worth the fight? If it is, then keep fighting. If it's not worth the fight, you know, get off that dead horse, right? But if it is worth the fight, then fight and keep fighting. If your family is worth the fight, which it is, then fight and keep on fighting. The, this, it's worth it. Your wife, she's worth fighting for. Ladies, your husband, he's worth fighting for. Your family's worth fighting for. Your kids are worth fighting for. Your church, it's worth fighting for. It's all worth it because the victory is worth the fight. Amen? So I want to challenge you today as I close. I want to challenge you today to choose to be a representative of Christ. God has chosen you to answer that call. Say yes. Don't be apathetic about it. Get me in and be all in. And then rise to the occasion and fight knowing that the victory is worth the fight. Amen? So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Nobody said that this would be easy. A lot of times, I think many times, we sell it as a gravy train. We, say, we, we sell it as being, this is not an easy life. This is a challenging life. But Lord, you have called us to this. And we have a very real enemy. But we have a very real victory. So I pray, Lord. Father, that we are faithful in this fight. And we are faithful in how we represent you as your representative, as your avengers, in Christ's name. With every head bowed, I hope that the Lord's speaking to you right now. And as he's speaking to you, what is he saying? What is God saying to you right now? What do you feel impressed for God to do in your life? What, what, what's going on? Is it about how you represent him? Is it about that fight that's going on in your life? Whatever he would say to you, I want you to be receptive of his voice right now as I pray with you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's here. First, Lord, I, I thank you that you love us enough that you confront us and that you desire to change us, whether it be through your word or the preaching of the word or by spirit. Lord, so I pray that that's exactly what you do. 
And I ask, Lord, that we rise to that occasion, that we are receptive of anything that you want to do in our lives and our families because our desire is to please you in this life, God. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, say amen. If you'll go ahead and continue to bow your heads. If you're here today and maybe you don't know Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior of your life. You don't live for him. Maybe you have never asked him to be Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe that's your situation. Or maybe your situation is, uh, at some point I walked away from God and I'm not living for the Lord right now. But I do know that I want to, I want to serve him. And I feel that he's, he's dealing with me right now. Whatever the situation may be, I want to pray one more prayer. And I'd like to lead you to the Lord in prayer. As always, I won't ask you to stand up, come down here, single you out, embarrass you. I just want you to sit right where you're seated. But I'd like to know if I'm praying for people. So just between you, me, and God, if that's you, and I don't know if anybody's here that doesn't know the Lord or is not living for God. But if you're here and you can say, Travis, I want you to pray, and I'm going to pray with you. And I'm serious about this. Quickly, just put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. Can anybody say that? I'll just wait a few moments and I'll move on. But I just want to make sure. Okay. One more time. That's me, Travis. Not living for God. And today I want to be right with the Lord. One more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here. And thank you, Lord. I trust that we all live for you and serve you. I hope so. But if not, may we bring ourselves to a place where we surrender our lives to you. And I pray, Lord, that Faith Co. Church... That, that we take this message, this, this mission of representing Christ to the world, that we take it seriously and we impact our world. And I, I pray, Father, that you will work mightily through this church today and always in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. Will you guys stand?